this morning we are in John 1, 9 through 13. John 1, 9 through 13. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. And uh, we'll, we'll just go ahead and start reading it. John 1, 9 through 13. The true light that gives light to everyone was... Uh, ooh, that's Prince. We're not there yet. All right. Hey, we'll get there, though. If you're confused why Prince is on there, I'll explain. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now listen to verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. To those who believe in the name of Jesus, he gives the right to become children of God. Well, today's a special day. Today we have uh, the opportunity to honor and celebrate 13 of our high school graduates, 13 students who have been working and studying and preparing for this moment that where they will graduate from high school and transition to this new phase in their lives. These 13 seniors have worked incredibly hard to get to the place where they're at today, and I'm so excited to honor them this morning. And what better way, what better way to honor and celebrate our seniors today and send them off into this next chapter than talking about our identity in Christ. So here's how we'll map out our morning together. We'll start off uh, by talking about how we serve a God who loves giving out new names. Then we'll move to a place where we talk about how God has established a new covenant with his people. And then we'll talk a little bit about adoption, and then we'll wrap up by talking about inheritance. But our God is a God who loves giving out new names. And you're probably, uh, you, since I, I ruined the surprise, um, you probably know where we're headed with this. Whenever I think of somebody who has a new name, like the first person that comes to my mind is, uh, is Prince. And uh, there he is. And uh, yeah, so the first person that comes to my mind is Prince. And I don't know if you guys know this story, uh, but back in 1993, Warner Brothers was Prince's record label. And in 1993, Prince and Warner Brothers got into a, a disagreement. Warner Brothers refused to release Prince's large backlog of music that he had developed and created at a steady pace. They wanted to stagger it so that they wouldn't experience market saturation. But Prince didn't like that. So out of rebellion, do you guys remember what Prince did? Anybody? Come on, I know you know this. He changed his name to an unpronounceable symbol, okay? And you've probably seen the symbol before. He changed his name to this unpronounceable symbol, and now, in order for any publication, any newspaper in the country to write about Prince, since his name was no longer Prince, Warner Brothers had to send out thousands of floppy disks all over the country to all of these different publications so that they would have the font that included the symbol that Prince was now going by. And the funny thing was that a lot of these publications, a lot of these newspapers didn't even go through the trouble of using uh, that symbol 
they just simply referred to Prince as? Yes, absolutely. The artist formerly known as Prince. It's a, it's a fascinating story. It's a, uh, it's a story where Prince gives himself a new name, right? But there's a difference in the story of Prince's new name and the new names that God gives his people. Prince gave himself a new name out of rebellion, but God gives us new names out of reconciliation for our rebellion. Names are important. Names are what people call us. Names are often decided based on a multitude of factors. Some parents will spend countless hours deciding the name of their child, unless you're my parents who watched an episode of Family Ties and said, yeah, that's it. I was named after Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties, just so that you guys know. And, and, it's, and it's, it's funny, I love this story, because my best friend's name is Keaton, and he was named after the same person. Which is awesome. Two different people, two different names, named after the same person. I love it. But here's what I'm getting at. Names mean something. Names are significant. And God makes this ever so clear all throughout the Bible when he gives people new names. Before Abraham was Abraham, he was Abram. The name Abram meant exalted father. But God made a promise to Abram that he would greatly increase his number. And God renamed Abram Abraham, which means father of many. And if you're following along, then you just caught what God did when he renamed Abram. Not only did he give him a new name, but this covenant that God was making with Abram was woven into Abram's new name. Abraham, father of many. God says, this is your new name. You are now Abraham. And not only do you have a new name, but with that name, I am making a new covenant with you, and you will be the father of many nations, even in your old age. This new name is accompanied with a new covenant. New names and new covenants go hand in hand. Listen to this, church. When we place our faith in and swear loyalty to King Jesus, God gives us a new name. Why does he give us a new name? Because we're a new person. We've experienced new birth. The grace and mercy and love of God washes all of our sin away. And not only does it wash our sin away, but when we are made new in Christ Jesus, we have a certainty that we will spend eternity with God. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you have been saved 
through faith. And this is, this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may, may boast. Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 1 John five fifteen. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Our God gives us a new name. Our God makes us into a new person and we know without a shadow of a doubt that in Christ Jesus we will spend the rest of eternity with God. That's why we don't have to fear death. Because in Jesus, death is nothing. Death is defeated through Jesus. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross has sealed this new covenant that God is making with his people. That's why when I talk to someone who claims to be a, a Christian and a follower of Jesus and they waver or they feel uncertain about eternity, I want to tell them that their feeling of uncertainty is nonsense because we are assured of eternity if we place our faith in Jesus. Jesus not only defeated death, but Jesus also defeated uncertainty. That's why we can look at an amazing man of God who pursued Jesus with everything that he had in life, like Larry Locke. And without a a doubt in our mind, we can say, we know where he is right now. We know that he's experiencing paradise with Jesus right now. We know that without a doubt in our mind. Our identity in Christ gives us a new name. We're we're a new person. And our identity in Christ assures us of eternal life with the God of love. God has woven this new covenant into our new identity and it is a gift that is readily available to all who place their faith in Jesus. I uh, remember when I was a high school senior. I, um, I don't know if senior year is still like this, uh, but my senior year was a joke. Um, and it, but it was because I, I, I scheduled it that way. And uh, I, I took strength and conditioning. I, I was a teacher assistant during one of my class blocks, which meant I just took naps, let's be honest. Um, I, I was involved in every club that, I, that promised me that I could miss school for a few days. Uh, so, so FBLA, do I get to miss school for competition? Sign me up. Beta and DECA, same thing, sign me up. Science club, do I get to miss school? No, but you get to stay after school and talk about science. That's a hard pass. My life was filled with college essays and scholarship essays. And by the end of it, I feel, I think I developed carpal tunnel because I'd been typing so much. And I think that our seniors can probably resonate with that right now. They're probably in that place. I was so ready. I was so ready to get out of high school and move on to what was next. I was ready to graduate. I was ready to move. I was ready to start this next chapter in my life. 
And I think I know the reason why I was so ready for what was next. I had scheduled my senior year to be laughably easy. I looked for every opportunity that allowed me to miss school. I was writing so many college essays and, so, and applying for so many scholarships. I was doing all of these things and I was so ready for what was next because I had discovered what I believed my calling in life was. I had heard my calling. God had planted this seed of ministry in my heart, and I was so ready to pursue it and see where it took me, right? I discovered a little piece of my identity, a little piece of who God created Alex to be. And as soon as I had discovered that about myself, I wanted to start the adventure of pursuing that calling as soon as I possibly could. It reminds me of my favorite romantic comedy, uh, When Harry Met Sally, which is also the best romantic comedy out there. Don't fight me on this. But at the very end, Harry rushes into a New Year's Eve party and he finds Sally and he drops this line. He says this, I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Man, that gets me every time. But I want to camp out here for a second because I think there's a truth within that quote from one of my favorite movies. Could it be that when we fully realize who we are, when we fully grasp our true identity, then we'll desire to start living out that identity as soon as possible? I was a senior in high school and I was so ready for what was next because God had revealed to me another piece of my identity I wanted to start the next chapter in my life as soon as possible. And here's the thing, church. God has already revealed to us who we are. He already answered that question. We don't have to keep wondering about what our identity is. Who am I? Listen to me when I say this. Man or woman of God in Christ, you have been adopted as God's beloved child. John 1, 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 8, 14 through 15, for those who were led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Romans 8, 17, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Do you hear that? Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. God has adopted us as his own. And with that adoption comes an inheritance. When I believe In the name of Jesus, when I commit my life to serving and following and worshiping Jesus, in that moment I receive the birthright and the inheritance that God has extended to me. What is that inheritance? That inheritance is eternal life with the God of love. 
Church, listen to me. Not only are we children of God, but if you profess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then you are an heir of God. And I believe that when we fully understand this, when we fully wrap our minds around the fact that we are God's beloved children and co-heirs with Christ, then our lives will forever be changed. And get this, not only our lives, but the lives of everyone around us as well. Because if, you, if I really believe this about my identity, then the joy that I experience from God is going to be too great to keep it to myself. I'm going to want to share it with somebody it's like when you watch a new show on Netflix and it's just like constantly in your head and you're like, man, I got to share this with somebody. It's so good. Guys, this news is too good to keep to ourselves. We are God's adopted children and when we believe in the name of Jesus, we become co-heirs with Christ. We receive our birthright. We receive our inheritance. So if that's who we are, and that's what we are inheriting, and that's what our identity in Christ compels us to do, then why do we continue to find our identity in other things, right? Like, why do we continually place our identity in things that are of lesser value than Jesus? Like, is is one more like on that Instagram post really going to make me feel beloved? Or to put it in the words of Henry Nouwen, one of the world's greatest theologians and writers, he says this, I kept running around it in large or small circles, always looking for someone or something able to convince me of my belovedness. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. Being the beloved expresses the core of our existence. At the core of who you are, you are the beloved. God created you in His image and He called His creation good. You are the beloved. So what's holding you back from receiving your inheritance in Christ? I, uh, I love being a youth minister. I really believe that I have the best job in the world because I get to work with some amazing teenagers who are so gifted and so talented and teach me new things all of the time. And this past Wednesday with the youth group, uh, we reflected on what it meant to be God's beloved children. And we split up into groups, and each group was given an artist. Our artists that night were L.G. Willis, Haley Howerton, and Kaya Chaffin. And we asked each group to read through the scripture that we're talking about this morning, John 1, 9 through 13, uh, and reflect on the fact that we are adopted by God. And we also... Uh, watched a lyric video for uh, the song No Longer Slaves by Bethel Music. And in the chorus of that video, uh, in the chorus of that song, it says, I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I asked each group to take that truth and take the truth that they found in John 1, 9 through 13 and create something 
that reflected the truth that we are adopted by God as beloved children. So uh, here are two pictures that they drew. The first is drawn by Kaya Chaffin. And I don't know if you can see this all the way in the back, uh, but we have this awesome picture of a God who is wrapping his arms around the world and holding it secure. And at the bottom of the picture, it says this, Hello, my name is Child of God. That's our identity. And the next picture was drawn by L.G. Willis. In the, uh, in the middle of the picture, you have a set of shackles. And if you notice, on one side of the chain, the, uh, the, sh- the chain is sh- secure, and on the other side, it's broken. And at the top of the page, on the side where the chain is secure, it reads, no relationship with God. And written all around that chain that is secure are words such as lost, judgment, fear, isolation, pressure, failure, apathy. And on the other side of the set of shackles, the chain is broken. It's free. At the top of that side of the paper are the words child of God. And the words surrounding the chain that is broken are faith, salvation, family, hope, love, grace, redemption. Church, our God is a God who gives us new names. Our God is a God who establishes new covenants. Our God is a God who adopts us as his children. Our God is a God who extends to us our inheritance and church. Our God is a God who breaks chains. After Wednesday night, I was like, man, I don't even have to finish my sermon. I'll throw those two pictures up there. It'll preach itself. Earlier, I posed this question, why do we find our identity in things other than Jesus? This happens all the time. We place other things before Jesus all the time in our lives. And sometimes it's hard to know exactly uh, how to avoid doing this because if we're being honest, sometimes we do this subconsciously uh, and we don't even realize that we're placing our identity in something other than Jesus. So I asked our seniors this question this past week and they replied with some amazing answers that I believe we can walk out of here today and, and hold as truths. I asked the question, How can we continue to pursue Jesus during the ups and downs of our lives? All of our seniors had some amazing responses, but a few of them really stuck out to me and speak directly into what we're talking about today. Again, the question was, how can we continue to pursue Jesus during the ups and downs of our lives? Jackson Cherry said this, by having a group of friends that are positive and truly interested in my well-being and growth, especially in the lows, so that they can encourage me without necessarily having to try. I think this is what many people look for in a church family and should find in one. Sadie Pittman said, We can passionately pursue Jesus even during the ups and downs by remembering where we started. For me, when I'm struggling, I always think back to where I started spiritually and who helped me grow and to see the positive things in life. Sometimes I ask, what would my mom do or what would Johnny do or what would Miss Anita do? It it helps me remember that those who have come before me have already paved a path 
and that if I ever needed anything, they would be there for me. And I absolutely loved what Allie Dozier had to say. Allie said this, listen to this church. As a teenager, I felt as though I should be making my own decisions and doing what I wanted to do. Very quickly, I stopped listening to what God and my parents said. I ended up in a deep valley in my life, all because I wanted to control my life and listen to no one. Going through that valley by myself was very hard. When I finally started to let God come into my life, listen to this, I started to climb the mountain again. I learned to listen to him and give him control of my life. When I let go and let God, my life did a 180. I was back on top of the mountain with God. So to answer your question, I think if we let God take control and talk to him continuously to try to understand, that's how we can pursue God in our ups and downs. Amen. When we fully grasp the reality of our identity in Jesus, just like Ali said, we have a chance to stand on the mountain with God. In Jesus, you have a new name. Start going by it. In Jesus, God has established with you a new covenant. Rest in that promise. In Jesus, you are adopted into God's family. Live within that community. In Jesus, you have an inheritance, the gift of eternal life. What better day than today to give your life to Jesus? What better day than today to dive into the waters of baptism and announce to the world that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior?